The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series titled The Eye of the Storm, Embracing Conflict, Creating Peace. This book was altered by Gary Simmons, and I consider it a masterpiece. We're we're going to work with Chapter 7 today. See it right, not make it right. And I think this is one of the, you know, powerful ways we utilize principle to transform our experiences. How do we use principle to address misperception? So we're going to get right into it. I do want to remind you before we start getting into the show and start getting into the teachings that obviously I like for people to call into the show. Uh, the number is 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. I think it gives a flavor to the show. So if you have questions or comments, I would love to hear from you. Also, I want to remind you that Christ Universal Temple is in the midst of its 59th anniversary. So if you're in the Chicagoland area, we'd love to see you stop by. This Sunday we have uh, the Reverend or the Bishop Dr. Barbara King, uh, the minister and founder of Hillside. Uh, Chapel of Truth in Atlanta, Georgia, as our guest speaker. So if you're in the Chicagoland area or you were considering coming to the Chicagoland area, make sure you stop by and come and see this legend in the New Thought community who at one point was originally developed and um, and worked under Reverend Coleman in the 60s as her administrative minister. So Let's get right to it. Page 105. See it right, not make it right. Principle addresses misperception. So the book says that the second attribute of wholeness is principle. It is the eye of the storm. It is the eye in the storm of misperception. Because everything you see or notice about yourself and your situation is viewed through the lens of self-worth. Your seeing is incomplete. Let me reread that because everything you see or notice about yourself and your situation is viewed through the lens of self-worth. Your seeing is incomplete. So in other words, 
what we are perceiving, and I would say in general with the five senses, is normally incomplete because we're not addressing it normally from the standpoint of our spiritual wholeness, from principle, from truth, from God. We're basing it on what we are perceiving and what we think we know. So he goes on to say, by definition, the perception of an adversary is evidence of misperception. Why? Because no one is against you. So what he's saying is, when we look from the standpoint of our misperception, which he's saying every perception to an extent is a misperception, because unless we apply principle to the experience, we're we're not looking for the wholeness. We're looking normally at what's wrong. I mean, you can look at a situation, a circumstance, almost with anything. Uh, a person can have one toe hurting. And if you ask them about something, I'm not saying that it's not right to address the toe, but if 99.9% of the body is working properly, why not give that praise? And, you know, in most relationships, they have breakdowns around things that people focus on that sometimes aren't as big of a deal as all the things that go right in that relationship. I'm not saying that people don't have a right to their bottom lines and things of that nature. I'm just bringing this out as something to think about. At work, it's the same thing. And it doesn't make a difference. You know, sometimes in my classes, um, in the classrooms at the church, we have uh, white marker boards. And I'll take a, a, a marker and I'll just draw a small dot on a very large board. And I'll ask the class, what do you see? And everyone in the class will say, I see a blue dot or a black dot or a red dot, depending on the color of the marker. And then I'll ask them, how come none of you ever say that you see this gigantic white board with a minuscule colored dot? Because we tend to focus on those minute things that are different without addressing the wholeness that's around it. Now, back to the book. The author says, and this is a highlighter definition, you know, I I wrote in my book, Definition, because I think he gives a great definition in these next few paragraphs. Principle is another way of describing the nature of the universe, its order and intelligence. It is another word for God. So when you say the principle, the principle, the principle, you're actually saying an order, the intelligence, another word for God. It's a synonym for God. In the revealing word, it talks about God's underlying plan. In other words, this is how the universe functions, functions through principle. You know, uh, Joseph Murphy says, you know, principle is just a way a thing works. So the author Gary Simmons goes on to say that truth principles are ideas that organize our attention and awareness upon the ever-present, unchanging order which manifests itself as God's plan of good. See how it goes back to the Fillmore definition, God's plan of good, underlying plan. So when we start talking about we study truth principles, what he's saying is we're actually saying 
Truth principles are ideas that organize our attention and awareness upon the ever-present, unchanging order, which manifests itself as God's plan of good. So in other words, when principle is understood and expressed properly, the expression of that is what we call good. So when you study principle, you're actually studying the essential character of God. You're studying the nature of God. You're studying studying the will of God, which is absolute good. All right. So the author goes on to write, truth principles can be divided into two categories. Faith-based truth principles and love-based truth principles. Now, this is how he's working with it. This is his definition. Faith-based truth principles organize your attention and awareness on the presence of God in every situation. Now, let's stop there for a moment. We need reminders. We need to study. We need to pray. We need to meditate. We need to ponder on ideas that remind us to shift our attention away from the appearance. Remember, Jesus said, judge not according to appearances, but judge righteous judgment. Pull our attention away from the appearances and put our attention and awareness, our consciousness, on the presence of God in every situation. Now, this is one of the things that's at times challenging about that because God is not a person, place, or thing. We're used to putting our attention and our awareness on things that the physical senses can detect. And that's challenging. We're also used to putting our attention on things we can understand. So even if it's an abstract, like human emotion, things that you can't, you know, detect with your five senses, we still believe those things to be real because they're coming from something our senses can detect. When we start talking about something as abstract as spirit, when we are in the realm of the intellect, this seems like it doesn't make sense. But you know, as the Apostle Paul wrote, the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Now, that doesn't mean that God has foolishness, but he was using a comparison. If God had foolishness, God's foolishness would still be wiser than anything that the human intellect could produce. So, what principle, these faith-based truth principles do is help shift our attention away from the appearances, away from duality, away from the temporary experience, and back on the absolute truth about God and ourselves. There's, one, there's only one presence and one power in the universe, God the good omnipotent, the everywhere present spirit of absolute good. And sometimes you got to shout that in your mind. Shout it on the rooftops of your mind. There's only one presence and one power. Back to the book. Then he says, love-based truth principles organize your attention and awareness on your oneness with God and all life. So this is a reminder that we're connected to the source of all love, the source of all power, the source of all substance, the source of all life, the source of all wisdom. We're connected to, to that already. Through love, we're one with all the good in the universe because love is the idea in divine mind of universal oneness. 
It goes on to say, truth principles don't change over time. That's good to know. That's why we believe that studying these truth principles and then applying them can make all the difference in the world because they will work whether you're in Australia, whether you're in Chicago, whether you're in London, whether you're in Saudi Arabia, whether you're in, uh, you know, Brazil or whatever. Universal law is universal law. So it's important to recognize they don't change. And they are the same regardless of culture or place. They are universal principles that remain true for the human race, even as knowledge grows or ebbs. I would say they are universal principles that remain true for creation, not just the human race, for creation. Because what we perceive and know is very limited. But these are laws that preceded us coming into form as bodies. Because these laws are based on our, upon our spiritual nature. And we are immortal spiritual beings. Right now, the book goes on to say, Misperception occurs when seeing is believing, which is what we call judgment, or when believing is seeing, which we call blind faith. Seeing is believing, we call that judgment, you know, like Missouri, where unity is. They say they have a saying, you know, I'm like Missouri, you got to show me, or something like that, the show me state. I believe that's how they say it, but anyway, I'm not from Missouri. But the point of it is we believe, okay, seeing is believing. Then we have some who say believing is seeing. Well, which he calls blind faith, which is basically saying, okay, because I believe it, I see it. Which can work to your benefit if you know how to work the principle. But most of the time what that says is because we have already have um, well-established beliefs in mind, what that shows up as is, You can't see something that's outside your paradigm, outside of your context. So resources, opportunities can be available, but are you open and receptive to it? You know, similar to, you know, yesterday I was at a a session and the person leading this session, this training session said, if you... We were in Chicago. If you, uh, if your table that I was sitting on had to get this book that's on the table in a suitcase to Seattle by 4 p.m. and be on the top of the needle, whatever that thing is called, I think it's called the needle. Uh, what resources? What people? What technology? And it was something else. You would, would you use? To make that happen. And I really thought about that. I was like, you know, we, we, we worked it out on that table and we said, you know, you know, people were coming up with a whole bunch of ways they would get to Seattle and whatever. And, you know, my table was like, look, $10 million, we're just buying tickets. You can use that phone app. Boom. Find the nearest flight. Uber. When we get to Seattle to pick us up, we can already have the car to pick us up to get there. I said, um, 
And I said, that book that's on the table, I'm not trying to find it. I'm going to take that book that's on the table with me. <laughs> he was like, I, I can send money back for it later. We'll be $10 million richer. I said, you know, we're down the street from Macy's. I can run over to Macy's and pick up a suitcase. We don't have to go back to the to the job or go home to get a suitcase. Guess what? We'll pick one up on the way there. And we had worked out in the mind that depending on your motivation, if you you can figure out how to do more with less based upon your perception. Now, what that exercise taught me was, do I really take time to look at how do I how do I utilize what I know, my knowledge? I think that was the other thing. My knowledge, the people I know, the technology, and other potential resources to achieve my goal. The reason being is because I'm seeing what I'm believing or I'm believing what I'm seeing. Instead of going back to the principle, there's always enough. There's always enough. And that's challenging to say when it's more month than money. That's challenging to say when the body is in pain. That's challenging to say when you're going through a devastating divorce or relationship breakup. That's tough to say when you've been handed the pink slip unexpectedly. It's tough to say when something's going on with your child. But you have no opportunity to transform it if you get stuck in it. You have no opportunity to change it if you become resigned that nothing will, it doesn't matter, and you just don't try. The reason why many times we get stuck in life is because we are seeing what, seeing, we believe seeing is believing or believing is seeing, and we don't shift the attention away from the appearance and back on the truth about God. Really, really Think about that for a moment. The truth about God. So we're coming up on our first break. And I want to again remind you that you can call into the show at 888-558-6489. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a caller on the line, uh, Mary. Mary, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Mary. Where are you from? I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay, all right. Nice. To, uh, thank you for calling in. Do you have a question? I do. Um, I just wondered, sometimes, uh, of course, I'm, I, I got the book and I'm loving this series. Thank you so much for doing it. Sometimes what happens uh, with me, uh, I'm a real novice at uh, keeping my mind uh, focused on the truth um, and um, very, very new to it. Um, So what happens for me sometimes is I'm in a situation that I find, like the author talks about, um, I guess on some level I find it threatening, you know, and um, I don't mean physically threatening, but somehow it, it makes me feel uneasy. And then I feel this anxiety, and then I get sort of reactionary in my words and behavior rather than I'm not able to quite make my mind switch off my anxiety to uh, truth principles or to the truth uh, quickly enough to not sort of say things or do things I would care not to, primarily say things I would care not to. And so I wondered if you had any thoughts on that because anxiety comes up so quickly and easily. And it's kind of, sometimes it can be kind of strong. Okay. Well, uh, obviously, without sitting and meeting with you, I wouldn't want to do a counseling over the phone mm-hmm. uh, or over the over the internet. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say what well, do this versus do that because it could be a lot of dynamics that would possibly come out of uh, a spiritual counseling session. Which, if you're in Lincoln, Nebraska, which is, is that how far is that from Unity? by the way. Uh, there's one in Omaha, which is only okay. about 50 miles. Okay. So the uh, reason why I was saying that is at times, um, as you're learning a new skill, yeah. you got to give yourself some grace. Now, obviously, I'm not saying that this is a free get out of jail card to go s- to snap on people. I'm not saying that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but at times, as you're learning a new skill, just like any new skill, like you, you just don't remember learning how to walk. You fell down. You got up. You fell down. You got up. Every time you got up, you, you were a little bit better than before. Till you 
mastered the concept called balance. Mm-hmm. But before you did, it was a struggle. And I'm sure it was many other things, learning how to, you know, we forget these things, how hard it was to learn how to read, how hard it was to le- understand basic math, really basic math, like two plus two. They had to show us apples and they had to show us oranges. And it was the same principle regardless. So as you're growing and evolving, does not mean you're going to get it all at one time. You know, one of the things that we say at Christ Universal Temple is in our classes on the Johnny Coleman Institute is that it's the systematic study of the Jesus Christ principles. It's an old, you know, old tagline. But the concept of it is systematic. You build mm. upon it. All right. You're learning a skill. Now you now you're learning how to utilize it. Now, back to some, just some baseline practicality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, you have to, you know, you know what? Here's some suggestions. I'm not saying this is advice. One of the things that you could do just to make it very conscious and put your awareness and attention on it is, for instance, call for instance a silent unity. Call them. You know. You know. Pick a time frame, two weeks, a month, or whatever, and just call them daily and just say, "Hey, pray with me for divine order in my thinking and power over, and and, and power mastering and, and dominion over my thoughts, my feelings, my reactions in particular." Mm. You know, you know that. Now, why do you do that? Because as you're praying, and as you're making the call, and as you're talking, and as you're praying with the person on the other line. You're bringing it to your attention. You're bringing it to your awareness that this is something that that's an intention that you desire. So you're actually creating a conversation that's based upon what you desire versus what you don't want to do. Mm. That's one. Two, get some three by five cards and uh, write down on them scriptures that relate to using words. Like, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable on that, you know, your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I don't know, that's the psalm something, I don't remember. Or, you know, Isaiah fifty five eleven. the words that come forth out of my mouth should not return unto me void, et cetera, et cetera. Or, you know, uh, in one of the uh, books of the Torah, the Pentateuch, where Moses is quoted as saying, the power of, of uh, life and death is in the power of the tongue or the, you know, why? Write them on a three by five card and and just say them to yourself in the morning and the evening. Why? Because it, that exercise is reminding you of what you're doing when you start saying these type of things. Hmm. So by actually saying it, get a three by five card and writing those, you can get a you know you can Google scriptures that reference words, or, you know, or the power of the words scriptures or the power of the tongue scriptures or whatever and whatever you can find write them out write four or five of them out and make it a daily practice again what are you doing you're reminding yourself that you know you're speaking life or death into a situation one or the other that mm. what you want to come out of your mouth let the word you know you know words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart the words of my mouth be acceptable in thy sight it in alignment with principle not a personal god or the words that come forth out of my mouth shall not return unto me void. You're saying and acknowledging, I'm ex- I understand that what I put out comes back to me. Mm-hmm. That just makes you more conscious. Mm-hmm. Okay, Th- those are, those are some of the things. Have you ever listened to my Lessons in Truth series on oh. Truth Transform? 
Oh, I've listened to every one of your shows. Oh, okay. I, I went clear back to the beginning and listened to every one. Okay, so part of it is in, in, in the chapters on denial. It's one show on denials and it's one show on affirmations. Take a listen to them again. Because I think it, I kind of cover some of the things, the four basic denials, four basic affirmations, some other things that possibly that can be helpful. Okay? Okay. Excellent. Thank you very much. You're welcome. God bless. Thanks. So back to the book. Um, on page 107, and again, uh, this is the, the last sentence on the top paragraph on page 107. I think this is beautiful. He wrote, or the last two sentences, you must use principle to compensate for misperception. Principle helps you manage the perceptual impairment, impairments associated with conditioned awareness. Now, again, principles help, helps you manage the perceptual impairments associated with conditioned awareness. So just being a human being walking around in life, we have a conditioned awareness. We don't think primarily from a spiritual perspective. We see duality. We see lack of wholeness. We see the drama, the traumas. And I'm not saying that some of these things aren't factual, but underneath is the wholeness of God because God is the only aspect of reality that's unchanging. And God is absolute good. So good is there even when we don't see it. So to shift the perceptual impairments, in other words, things that just are inherently not in alignment with truth with our conditioned awareness, we have to use principle. So the author says, and this is beautiful, when you cannot see God at your point of experience, you may become fearful. If you don't see God in a situation, you don't see good, you don't see a, 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 a preferred outcome, you can become scared. He says, when you don't feel connected to others, you may become suspicious. So he wrote, he wrote, faith is the avenue of awareness that sees God in every situation. Matter of fact, I like that definition so much, I'm adding it to my regular definition from Fillmore, which is the faith is the perceiving power of the mind linked with the power to shape substance, which he quotes later in, the, in this chapter. I love faith is the avenue of awareness, the road, the path of awareness that sees God in every situation, every God is in every situation and my faith sees it and my faith activates the potentiality of God or good into my space. He then goes on to say, love is the avenue of awareness that sees your oneness and connection to all life. Just allow that to land. Love is the avenue of awareness that sees your oneness and connection to all life. So when you're looking from a standpoint of oneness, if if oneness, if love is actually active in your mind, in your space, then that means that you are seeing your connection and oneness with creation. So it's very difficult to be violent and disruptive with other individuals when you're functioning from love. That don't mean you can't disagree. What it does mean is you can disagree without being disagreeable. Seeing things differently does not mean that you're not one with an individual. Being 
one with an individual doesn't mean you have to be around them, but you have to acknowledge your oneness. If you're trying to function as the eye in the storm. Back to the book. He goes on to say at the end of that chapter, you move to the eye of the storm of misperception as you work to fill in these gaps in your awareness. The key is to fill the gaps with truth principles. So every time you um, you, ha- you have a misperception, you have to apply principle to the gaps in awareness. All right. Back to the book. What you, page 108. What you see is what you get. All right. I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm just going to go down to the middle of the chapter where he wrote. You must continually monitor how you are framing your experience. Ooh, that's good. You have an experience and just think that your perception, your context, your paradigm is your frame of that experience. Just look at it from that standpoint. That whatever you work are working with in any area of your life, you have put it in a frame. It functions out of that framework. Really allow that to land. It's functioning out of that framework. You say, but in order to experience is what it is. No, it's not. It is to you what you make it mean to you. So he said, he wrote, ask yourself, is what I'm seeing based on principle? Ah, is it based on truth? Is it based upon the truth about God? Is it based upon the truth about God as me? He wrote, you must see the situation right before acting to make it right. You have to see the wholeness of God before you can take authentic action. He said, he wrote, principle frees you from creating out of misperception. So if one of the things, a new thought that we teach you is that thought is formative. So if you're thinking and using your consciousness, your awareness on a thing, you're working with divine law to produce something. Why? Because as Galatians 6, 7, uh, it, it, it is written by the Apostle Paul, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. So what the author is saying is, don't start sowing something that's based upon misperception. That's why you, excuse me, you have to ask yourself, is what I'm seeing based on principle? All right. So he says, again, at the bottom of that sentence, all perception is misperception. That's why you have to go back to the principle. Then he says, principle helps you see through misperception. He he wrote, principle, on the bottom of page 108, principle is the basis of seeing life as it really is, as God sees. In unity and new thought, we say that God is principle. It is the high watch, the viewpoint of omnipresence. The viewpoint of omniscience, I meant. I see I just automatically went to omnipresence. Principle is the way of God life. In other words, it's the, if principle is God, then working with the principle actually means you're working God in the sense of expressing or seeking to express more of God or good in your life. Principle is the order of the universe, the way things are in God. This is why Jesus 
had us pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth, manifestation, as it is in heaven, the spiritual ideal, the principle. So every time you say the Lord's Prayer, that's what you're actually praying. Thy will be done on earth, manifestation, as it is in heaven, spiritual ideal. It goes on to say, principle is the truth. The truth that stands the test of time, like the truth that no one is against you. This really lands. I really want you to really get this. So he goes on to say, principle helps you see through the illusion of separation into the presence of God. So when you are looking from principle, that becomes your new context. Jesus taught it this way. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. In other words, blessed are those who who are pure or can see in alignment with principle deeply within their belief system. Heart metaphysically represents the subconscious mind. So from a deep subconscious level, you're seeing through the illusion that allows you to see God. All right. And he says some other stuff about Jesus I'm not about to address because I want to jump over a few things because I don't have as much time left. Next paragraph. Principle is the foundation of authentic action or doing the right thing. Think of principle as the carpenter's level and square. Can you imagine a carpenter building a house without a level and square? Of course not. The level and square are used as references to gravity so the house can be built on a solid foundation. Truth principles are tools that help you build the meaning and interpretations you attribute to any given circumstance upon a solid spiritual principle-based foundation. So when you apply the spiritual principles to a situation, that's your carpenter's level and square. I know this is what it is. The perception tells me that this is even in balance. Let me get my carpenter in square. Oh, no, no, this is not in alignment. This is off. That's the beauty of the carpenter square, because no matter what your eyes are telling you, the carpenter's uh, excuse me level and square never lies. It's always going to align perfectly with gravity. So you might think that it's a ninety degree angle, but it's really not. And the principle is telling you you might see lack, but the principle is saying no. Abundance is here. The principle is saying, no, health is possible. Prosperity is possible. Peace of mind is possible. Loving relationships are possible. Why? Because you are measuring it, your life based upon the principle, not measuring your life based upon misperception. So with that, let's take our last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transformed. If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and spiritual insight. 
To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. If I were brave, I'd walk the races where fools and dreamers dare to tread and never lose faith. How is life working for you? Would it be okay with you if life got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful and vibrant? Join certified life coach Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for Vibrant Living. Each week, Coach Carla and her guests will share strategies and solutions designed to make your life more vibrant. Is there something in your life you'd like help with? A dream you'd like to achieve? A relationship you'd like to improve? Call into the show toll-free for Coaching with Carla. That's Vibrant Living, Life Coaching with Carla, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Central on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. What if we're all meant to do what we secretly You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm on page 110. So, well, I want to read this bottom of page 109 and 110 because I think it really lands well about see it right, make it right. He wrote, "How here's how principle works like a carpenter's level and square. Take out your wallet or billfold. Count how much money you have. Let's say you have $72. Based, upon, based on the amount of money you have, how prosperous do you feel? Now think of your bills or your grocery list. Consider all the ways this money will be spent. What makes this $72 either not enough or plenty? Imagine you're in a church and the offering basket is being passed to you. How much of this $72 will you give? Will your gift be given from lack or will it be given from abundance? How you see things is supported by a belief. In this case, a sense of lack or not enough is supported by a belief in lack. Now, is your belief in lack on the level? Is lack based on principle? No, of course not. In principle, there is only abundance. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. We start thinking about how, based upon what we think we're dealing with, we feel as though we're prosperous or not. Say, for instance, uh, let's just pick a hypothetical car out. Say, for instance, you got a new XYZ Ford and you pull up into a car and your car is nice and it's clean and you pull up into a parking lot. It has a lot of other, um, you know, you know, middle class cars. And you can feel yourself. I got this new car. I feel good. It has a new car smell. I feel great. Now, you take that same car into uh, a neighborhood 
where everybody's driving Bentleys, Rolls Royces, uh, Ferraris, Porsches, um, Lamborghinis, etc. And you might feel as though that car is inadequate. It's the same car. What changed? Your perception or misperception of what's going on. You might walk into a situation where, depending on the circumstance, you have some nice crisp jeans on and some some new nice Air Jordans and, you know, nice, you know, Nike T-shirt and, you know, you got your hat on, you know, your favorite sports team. And you might feel real nice, clean, and crisp. But if you had that same outfit on at a black tie affair, you would feel underdressed. Obviously, you would be, factually. But how would that make you feel? So the the reason why I'm bringing these examples up is one makes you feel together and tight and and overabundant, and other might make you feel inadequate. But there, but it's just a belief. The real issue comes into play is obviously being appropriate for, in an appropriate situation. I'm not saying don't be appropriate in appropriate situations. What I am saying is that what we have or don't have many times is based upon what we feel as though it's related to. So if you have and you go to McDonald's to buy something to eat, you might think you got more than enough. But if you go to the local steakhouse, you're trying to figure out how you can do you plus one. Because that $100 is not most likely going to be enough. It's just based upon perception. So something as simple as him saying when you – if, if you had that same amount of money in the offering basket when passed, are you giving out of abundance or are you giving out of lack? That's real because if a person is giving out of lack, when they give, they think they have less. And according to your faith, be it done unto you. But when you feel as though you're giving out of abundance, you're giving out of the circulation of substance. When you feel as though that you're always connected to to the source of all good, that's a different perception. Really want that to land. It's all it's all based upon what you believe. I have a lot of money or I don't. If I gave my daughter uh, $100 later today, she was like, wow, I got a lot of money. As an adult, I understand that's not a lot of money. Matter of fact, it's not even enough to get her the Ed Jordan she wants. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> and I know that because I go to the stores and I get them. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> for her and myself. Now, moving on. The author wrote, abundance is another word for infinite possibility. So when we say God is abundant and there's only abundance in God, we're saying it is there's infinite possibilities, infinite potential, infinite opportunities in God. See, so when you start thinking about 
prosperity, start thinking of it as infinite possibilities. That your mind shapes and forms into a thing. God is no thing, so God could be anything and all things in your experience. So he wrote, in both the spiritual material realm, there's an infinite potential ready to meet your every need. Oh, my God. Just to affirm and pray that. There is a there is infinite potential ready to meet my every need. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need. That's one of those statements that, you know, I mentioned earlier to Mary where you would write on a three by five card and affirm it, pull it out. Um, I have an iPhone. I will put that in my habit maker. It's an app that pulls up and reminds you of things. It just pops up with little statements. It's a free app. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need. Uh, you can even write it differently. There is an infinite potential ready to meet my every need and desire. All right. So the book goes on to say this potential seeks to express itself through us as abundance. All right. So last sentence of that paragraph says you experience your experience of lack only exists in the context with the meaning you attribute to the amount of money you have. Page 111. First full paragraph. Second sentence or part of the first sentence. Oh, no, it's the second sentence. In other words, if difficult situations bring you to the edge of your resourcefulness. Isn't it true that it only it is only difficult because you lack the resource to manage it differently with ease instead of dis-ease, with confidence instead of insecurity? So when you feel as though something has stretched you beyond your level of resourcefulness, it's because you, it's, it's showing you and teaching you that you don't know how to handle this right now. Because if you knew how, if you had, if, if you believed you had the, the connection, source, resources, uh, etc. You can handle it. What the author is saying, or what New Thought is saying, is you're always connected to it, but you have to open your eyes so you can see. Like I mentioned on a previous show with Elisha out out in the wilderness on the mountain, and the army came to get him and his servant, and the servant woke up and was like, "Master, Master, wake up! We're surrounded." And and the, the prophet said, don't worry, there's more with us than there is with them. That's two of them, and it's an army seeking to get them. And obviously the slave didn't react properly or servant didn't react properly to that statement. So the prophet said, Lord, open his eyes so he may see. And it said when, he, when his perception was shifted, he saw around him horses with chariots, with chariots on fire, with horses breathing fire. It was a symbol of power. God's omnipotence. God's omnipresence. So what that's saying is we don't see the resources because our eyes aren't open to the reality of God. All right. 
Back to the book. Uh, top of page 112. He wrote, to discover what resources are missing, simply ask yourself, what do I need that I don't have or didn't have, which will permit me to be present to the judgment without needing to be right or make the other person wrong? That's a very good question. What do I need? To, what, what shift needs to happen? What belief, what thought, what idea do I need to work with? So that I don't make this a, a, a I'm right, you're wrong thing, but make but makes it what is missing in this experience that the wholeness of God is not being manifested through it properly. Next paragraph. Shifting your attention from the feeling of defif- defensiveness to the question, what am I making this mean, allows you to reframe the experience as an opportunity to discover what's missing in the relationship. What are you making it mean? That's what Mary was dealing with earlier in the call. What are you making it mean? You can't be defensive about something unless you're making it mean is something that you need to be defensive about. So asking yourself, what am I making this mean matters. Because he goes on to write, in principle, no one is against you. Therefore, what you are making the experience mean is the true enemy. What am I making this mean? Again, this is not a free get out of jail card for somebody else to act foolish with you either. But you have to understand what are you making a situation and circumstance mean? And be very clear. So he says, um, your former adversary reveals, talking about your misperception, that you are lacking a clear conscious connection to your sense of self-worth. You see this by looking at how you are inclined to react. So reactions are the rubber hits the road moments. How you react tells you where you are at your level of mental, emotional, and spiritual maturity. Don't beat yourself up. You're a work in progress. All right. So I want you to do the awareness questions at the end of the chapter. Don't skip over these. These are too important not to do. Then be ready next week as we talk about living on purpose. We are wrapping up the show. I want to remind you again uh, that the show has a Facebook page. Make sure you go on it to transform the Reverend Galen McDowell. You can reach out to me. It's the quickest way to get in contact with me, by the way. And uh, this show, along with all the shows on Unity Online Radio, are supported by your donations. So as you freely give, uh, freely receive, freely give, go on unity.fm. Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. Thank you. God bless you. And I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Every moment we live can be holy. 
And all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts. 